0: This is the Video jumpyard Podcast.
1: A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive!
0: The dead who haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. I'm all out of bubblegum.
2: In this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half man, half ape, with the strength of 20 demons. It's
0: time.
2: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Uh, you find yourself at episode number 168, and with me as always, my good friends and co-hosts, Joe Peterson and Ryan Styskal. How's it going tonight, guys? hey Oh.
0: Good, good. Uh, that's a loaded question let me just tell you <laughs> uh, let me just speed it up very quickly for everyone else in a, in a very uh precise way uh came back from a supermarket i looked at a bunk cake that we bought it was like a some kind of caramel fusion one i leaned into it very close and i said you will not survive me and then uh, i proceeded to eat half of it so i mean that's how my day's going how are you guys nice. well that's better
2: i guess better than my day but i I don't have too much to complain about
1: today but um. no no i'm i'm noticing now that i'm back teaching again um i'm just tired (laughs) yeah i have to stand up and talk in front of people again and it's i I, i'm glad to be back doing it but i'm kind of out of practice so (laughs) yeah i actually had a fairly good day today
2: and uh for like the most like boring and old guy reasons like my kids uh are are in school now so like I have about double the amount of free time in a day and actually got a lot of stuff done today got a lot of work done for like the first time in a week and it was kind of piling up on me so I was just like so yeah you get this like I could breathe a little bit from under the pile of stuff I've been trying to do so so yeah that's uh my boring good day I guess
0: i can appreciate that i don't have kids yet so like when you guys tell me these things like i truly appreciate the days that i do have before it happens
2: yeah yeah well i even no matter how many people warn you it's it's even more so that like you know
1: once you do have kids it's like (laughs) yeah
2: your time is not your own anymore
1: (laughs) no it's not and and there's those projects too that require you know, a lot of time, like writing or something like that, where it's it's hard to write for fifteen minutes, right? At least for me, it is. I need a block to kind of focus in on something. Right, you just kind of hit your stride by fifteen minutes, if even like that's right. right. So when when I only have like oh, I got thirty minutes to work on something, like that's barely enough to even get into anything.
0: <laughs> oh God, and it that, takes me thirty minutes to you know. maybe pick up. Like I'll sit in the room because I have technically a studio mm-hmm. in the back of our apartment. It will take me 30 minutes after staring at the thing to finally go, like, yeah, I think I might want to fill up my water dish to get started painting.
2: Yep. <laughs> like it'd be yeah. Like, if you that 15 minutes is about the gauge that I use to, like, and it's been a long time since I've sat down and actually written, but, like, that's the gauge to I use about that amount of time to say, like, am I going to be writing today or is it just not going to be working for me today? Like, I'll know by that point. Like, okay,
0: I'm either going to get <laughs> yeah. into
2: it then or... You know, I might as well go do something else because it's just not gonna be today. Like, yeah,
0: I had that last week. Sometime I think on Wednesday, I told Sharon, my partner, when she came home, like, "What'd you do today?" I'm gonna be straight up and honest with you. I had full intentions on doing something, but there's a lot of shit going on right now, and I decided to to just binge watch some DVD show I have in my art room. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, and I
2: do feel like the the non artsy people out there, the non you know non creative. That sounds so rude when you say that to people because it's not that people aren't creative. Creative people are creative in different ways. I mean, people
0: but... who take the time to create a thing. I know. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to do something. You know, when people say like, God, I wish I was creative. You, I stop feeling like that sense of like weird kind of bashfulness but let's like nope nope it's warranted this is very fucking hard to do it takes a lot of energy to try to make something and yeah, god yeah. whether or not it even gets recognized is another thing but the fact that you even did it for yourself is very rewarding it's like yeah it looks like shit sounds like shit whatever shit but fuck i did it that's my time right. i spent it i fucking did it <laughs> Uh, I'll take it. I'll take whatever compliment you want to dish out to me.
2: (laughs) And now we take a quick break to let you know about some other excellent podcasts that you should check out.
0: Hi, I'm Juliet.
1: And I'm Nathan.
0: Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes.
1: And through the eyes of a New Who fan.
0: Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight.
2: Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight.
1: We're the Time Streams Podcast.
2: Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. I would like to invite you to take a trip across all of time and space. Join
0: us in the police box as we discuss the worlds of Doctor Who in a completely random order.
2: We discuss it all. TV stories, audio adventures, novels, non-fiction books, and on and on. I'm your host, Eric L. Branson. I would be very happy if you'd join me for The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast.
0: The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a proud partner of the Video Junkyard podcast and can be found on most major podcast platforms, including
2: SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify.
0: Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip. And every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. (laughs) That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including... Dalton Hughes. And... Alison Feefried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good Podcasts or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. Video
1: Junkyard Podcast. Well, and you know, with with the concept right there of, you know, the value of your time and what you're worth and how that plays into your life is kind of a segue into the movie that we watched for the week yeah very much so and yeah this week we uh
2: well with with the help from you the listener if you were one of the listeners that voted in our david cronenberg poll helped us to select this movie and uh today we selected uh the 2012 david cronenberg film cosmopolis
0: show me my car any special reason we're in the car instead of the office what makes you think we're in the car instead of the office what do you do exactly i think you acquire information and turn it into something stupendous and awful it's the glow of cyber capital so radiant and
1: seductive
0: do you ever get the feeling that you don't know what's going on something will happen soon
1: Situation isn't stable. I know I'm losing money by the ton
0: hundreds of millions There is someone who's prepared to kill you My personal fortune is in ruins and there's been incredible threat on my life
1: Makes me feel free in a way. I've never known
0: free to do what?
1: People eat and sleep in the shadow of what we do
0: This is a protest against the future
2: The urge to destroy is a creative urge
0: It's interesting to be near a man somebody wants to kill
2: I'm looking for more Stun me to my DNA Show me something I don't know I thought you were some kind of big shot Destroyed people in the blink of an eye
0: You're a dangerous person Your whole waking life is a self-contradiction
2: we still want what we want.
0: Everything in our lives has brought us to this moment.
2: And, uh, yeah, so the second part of our David Cronenberg special. So uh, last week we watched or we watched and talked about the dead zone. And so this is kind of like two... It's not quite bookends on his career, but we're talking like early David Cronenberg stuff with the Dead Zone. And here we're talking something more recent. So 2012 isn't as recent as it sounds to me, but it, yeah, still a more recent movie. But, <laughs> um, I mean, it's like
0: within 10 years. Ooh, that's a, yeah, yeah. that's a gross Weird, thing right? to say. Yeah, that's what I yeah. meant
2: when I said that. Yeah. It sounds a lot more recent than it is. Throw it um, out. That's... I abandon
0: this instantly. I don't like <laughs> this.
2: <laughs> that's just a, old guy speak right there but had had any, um, had
1: any of you heard of this one or seen it prior no <laughs> i this has been one that kind of has
2: been sitting on the back of my i i wanted to see this at one point and i, I totally forgot it existed but like this was a kind of a a resurgence or kind of a renaissance of david cronenberg's mm-hmm. movies he had a lot of success with the history of violence and eastern promises um, I, I believe some award nominations, and like he he became a very like visible filmmaker all of a sudden. And I I had already been a fan even prior to those movies coming out, but I was kind of enjoying. I really enjoyed those two movies, and they're kind of different than his like old kind of horror sci-fi stuff, but still kind of thematically uh, kind of fit into you know where David Cronenberg sits in the in um, topically. And uh, so yeah, this I saw trailers for this um i it knew it was a big deal because it had the twilight kid in it uh and they're like oh <laughs> Robert- i don't want to you know all these people kind of like talking about like oh i don't i don't want to watch a serious movie with him in it the guy da, 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 whatever um it being kind of a controversial casting choice for for cronenberg hmm.
1: Hmm.
2: and um i kind of made note of like hey i want to see that movie i've really been enjoying you know this run of films that he's done and uh then it kind of fell off the radar and then i totally forgot it existed but at some point until it popped up on Tubi, I think, when we were looking to see what David Cronenberg films were available free streaming because we do try to try to stick to the free streaming material so it's easy for all the listeners to, to kind of watch along with us, but uh, Cosmopolis popped up. It ended up on the poll. I think there were four Cronenberg films and we were picking two so we had to narrow it down. And uh, Yeah, you guys helped us pick this one.
0: I will say this is the weirdest um Bruce Wayne uh, <laughs> prequel I have ever watched, but it definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah, going it could forward. work is that? It it's, actually it so oh, could. Like work. the end of this leads it to it be a really
2: yeah. different take, but yeah, yeah.
0: I really want. I've been sitting on that joke for a while, and clearly it was not going to be one that was going to sit for very long because <laughs> yeah. twenty twelve. Who would have fucking guessed in twenty? Well, he year was twenty-one 10 years.
1: Yeah, he was going to be. Yeah. If you
0: think about it, the twenty-one is twelve backwards. So you know, whatever. Well,
1: Eric, I, oh, I, it is. No, I know what it you, is. Fucking mind blown. I I know <laughs> what you mean about like how Robert Pattinson, you know, had this kind of stigma around him for a while. I didn't have any interest in seeing him because I only knew of him as the guy in the Twilight movies, and I had absolutely yeah. no desire to see those either. So. I just yeah he he hates it. Well, and so, <laughs> he hated I, doing I, I, the movies at the. And time, I started too, hearing so. more people say, actually, no, he's a really good actor. You should see him in other stuff. And I'd never, I'd never heard of Cosmopolis before the suggestion. And I consider myself a Cronenberg fan, but that's that is obviously proven wrong. Um, but yeah, so this is maybe the third or fourth movie I've seen him in now, and I'm I'm always impressed. Uh, like I, I'm a big yeah. fan of The Lighthouse. Um, I was gonna yeah. say the lighthouse is the, lighthouse the one that, that turned
2: me around but yeah as i've gone and seen more of his stuff like yeah the overreaction when he was cast as batman is him being the guy from twilight still like i was talking yeah. about the controversy in 2012 when this movie was made at least that was contemporary then but like now people are, he's been in all this good stuff and he's um certainly kind of proved himself and i can't believe people are still calling him the twilight guy so
0: i would also anyway, say the same but. for stewart as well Kristen Kristen stewart uh she's actually a phenomenal actress and it depends on the role that she gets uh as with any fucking actor or actress like it really does depend on the role (laughs) Absolutely, and it's very unfortunate because like she can be a powerhouse as well like while we're on the subject probably most of the fucking cast and crew of twilight it's very unfortunate
2: actors (laughs) actresses directors filmmakers writers start with stuff that may not be the favorite thing they've ever done but it gets them in you know foot in the door or whatever i mean yeah, yeah it
0: happens one will argue as much as we love star wars this dialogue is fucking awful george lucas is not great with dialogue yeah and that's what i'm just i'm, I'm using hope... that as an example of like what we feel is right isn't always so well, how okay we... i'm gonna stop going in that row. yeah how just, would we just even summarize
1: on? this one i mean i don't know. i read a bunch of summaries before during and after well, watching this one and i'm still I'll... like ah give it a shot here. This doesn't do it justice
2: necessarily, but uh, let's try this one. Uh, Riding across Manhattan in a stretch limo in order to get a haircut. A 28-year-old billionaire asset manager finds his day devolving into an odyssey encountering a host of eccentric characters and seeing his huge financial investments collapse. So,
0: I mean, even yeah. that is like... That... Not... Go ahead. I was going to say, that essentially is the plot,
2: but it might not be what's the most important thing about the movie. So, yeah. I was just like, great, like, kind of browsing through stuff about um, Cosmopolis. There's this, like, one line description that Rotten Tomatoes has that is, like, way better than it, the uh, um, synopsis as we read. And it's Cosmopolis is a hypnotic examination of our modern anxieties about the dehumanization brought on by wealth, power, and technology.
0: That like, seems about accurate.
2: Well, yeah. That actually summed up the movie for real instead of like dwelling yeah, on what the, like the plot devices of it like, <laughs> like so, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say cuz like even the interesting characters are very like by comparison to what actually happens in this movie, they're not something that really stick out as strongly as, like, that description would describe, nor is the destination, nor is even the conflict of him losing money. Like, that whole thing in itself is so briefly kind of mentioned. Like, you kind of know that it's happening, but not. it's not on the forefront of your mind. It really feels like you're watching a rich dude in his, like, limousine just go about his day. But it doesn't go very well. But not even he really deals with it.
2: But I, I think even as this day starts, as we find the character at the beginning of the movie, and in the character's uh, name is Eric Packer, I believe. Because mm-hmm. yeah, they call him Packer, and I kept giggling a little bit because of Cannibal the, Musical. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the when But even when we meet him, I think it's, it's very evident from the, the get-go that this guy's kind of fallen apart.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so it, it's
2: not really a day in the life kind of thing. Like, this is, like, the worst day. Like, it's, it's a seminal day of, like, he's he's questioning literally everything from the... the I think the first conversation we get in the limo uh, with him is with his... Um, oh, I don't know what you would call him. Um, Jay Baruchel's character. Uh, he was, like, the head of cybersecurity or mm-hmm. tech, tech or something for the company. Uh, So you're getting something like right that's very like work related, but like he's he's pushing this guy in a way, like bullying him in a way that, and then this is like his partner from the startup. Like I don't know, you get a whole lot of information dumped on you really quickly about who these people are, but also they're they're talking about not only information and the markets and all this kind of stuff that's above my head anyway. Yeah. Uh, but they also then they dive into like kind of like the essence of knowledge and how do we know like these things and it's like whoa this movie is gonna be rough. <laughs>
0: like, well, like I, from the get go, this this movie kind of and this is from my anime back background, but this feels like one of those like like sci-fi animes where they unload like either some kind of pseudo science or pseudo um, physics slash philosophy dialogue like the way they deliver it is so like straightforward and like at you that you don't quite comprehend what the fuck they're trying to say right away and it kind of this movie kind of like asks you to rewatch it to kind of understand not everything some things they actually do like tell you right away which i did appreciate but uh a lot of other things where it's just like this feels more like gibberish um and i don't really care to fucking see whether or not it's true it, I don't know how that feels feel the dialogue
1: felt to me and even the way it was shot and the way it was set up it, it even the plot all of it and I know this is based on a book um mm. by adapted it's, by Cronenberg who yeah, wrote it's the the well. book Cosmopolis by um, Don DeLillo um uh, but it, it if somebody would have told me this was originally a David Mamet play I totally would have bought it <laughs> yeah it, yeah because Mammoth does of, very similar type of things with his dialogue. I think of the movie uh, and the play Edmund. Yeah. Very similar kind of dialogue. It's almost a. a it's like an amalgamation
2: scene. of the Davids. It's like uh, maybe a, <laughs> a, a David Mammoth script uh, through kind of like a, a David is... Cronenberg direction, but it has a very like David
0: Lynch vibe to it at times yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, per- uh, Personally, yeah. I know what it's like to deal with multiple Davids, So the fact that you oh, yeah, that's true. N- named yeah. it like you did <laughs>
1: um. This this one, I'll be honest. It I had to watch this over three s- sittings. <laughs> yeah, same here. Um, Actually, it was three for me. It, it oh, was wow. yeah, three. It was it was a tough watch from the beginning, and about halfway through, it picks up because I if, if you're willing to stick through it. Um, yep. And and if you can kind of see what they're doing, um, yeah, it's still. I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll be honest, and you know, we always grade at the end. I don't know where my grade is right now. I'm kind of seeing where it goes with this
2: conversation. <laughs> me too. I
1: wrote down a grade, but I've always, I always write
2: them yeah. down tentatively
0: because I kind I didn't of, I didn't even you know. consider a grade for this be, because this was this <laughs> was different. And, and by the way,
1: Sarah watched some of this with me. And she was like, oh, God, can we watch something else? I was like, yeah, okay, I'll finish it later. And then I had to finish it last night, and she was sitting up with me, and she's like, are you serious? And so she finished the end with me, and she's like, I hate you guys for having made me watch this. She did not like it. First off, I would like
0: to say on behalf of me and Eric... Uh, Sarah, we do not put you through this. This is not but our fault. No, I, I, I just. <laughs> this is Joe and fan selected. No, but please, I, I don't no know. Rage.
1: It started to grow on me a bit. Like, there,
2: I was starting to I pick will... up some yeah. aspects that it I was did. starting to like. I mean, it certainly, as it went on, became a bit more interesting for me. But I... yeah, I felt the same way about it. Like, right off the bat. Like, like I get what they're doing here, but, like, it just. It almost seems too on the nose a little bit. Like even though a lot of the stuff's like whizzing over my head, um, it's because it's it's just so dense and it's so bland. I don't know if I want to call it academic,
0: uh, but like I guess that's a nice way of putting that. It.
1: That is a way of putting it.
2: Um, yeah, it's it just like it's really it, not. It's not just dense. It's not just cerebral as a film, but like the dialogue itself and like the concepts and stuff that they're talking about, like is fring. It's like fringing on like philosophy textbook
0: well it's it they deliver the 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 dialogue as matter of fact very much proof of it is that there's a very frequent thing that this movie does with all characters is like you have characters say i know this or i don't know this or i don't understand this you were that's an actual like line of dialogue or, or the variation Eric of character
2: character robert pattinson's character that is well, like one of his i know that this is, is one of his things that like it and he, he not, reassures himself constantly he'll make a point and then say i know this like yes they re,
0: yeah. they they do this so frequently and i think them it's used the most at the end scene with him and the Paul yeah. Giamatti character yeah uh, which which makes sense given like they'll call they're him done. benno <laughs> yes benno <laughs> Uh, based on their um, interaction and their relationship with one another, but I will say, because out of the three of us, I was—I guess—I'm the one who actually watched it in one go. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I had to, that,
2: but that, that being said, for me, I rarely have a chance to watch these movies we do I, in, in one go. So it's really more of a time concern than a, than a subject matter. But
0: yeah, I wasn't yeah. going to I wasn't going <laughs> to I wasn't going to say that it, was, like, it it is on anyone. I just did it cuz out of necessity uh because I I watched these literally the day that we fucking uh review them is cuz that's that's how my fucking schedule works. But, but I was I was painting a piece as I was watching this movie, and I can tell you this is this is my take uh versus your guys's I very much thought the beginning of it was very fucking dull, dry, and I was disinterested. But I will say, I stopped painting in the last like, the last scene where once mm-hmm. the Giamatti character right, falls in. There's a few scenes mm-hmm. where I stopped painting to watch, but that scene in particular, I watched the entire thing. If that's an indication to anybody what this kind of movie does, it does, surprisingly, if you stick with it, it can hook a certain yeah. type of person
1: yep yep that's
0: to a good th- yeah, way of putting you,
2: it you've got to give yeah. it a pretty big investment but mm-hmm.
0: yes yeah depending on who you are and it's like that's fair uh because whoever you are who's willing to endure this movie you're you're gonna get an interesting cerebral <laughs> experience of some sort and I don't know if we pointed it.
2: this out, but it, it's very important that we point out that most of this movie takes place inside of a stretch limousine. Like, the whole like high fucking... Tech like in really the cool yeah. High-tech,
1: really cool, high-tech. With some there.
0: painful green screen scenes. Oh, yeah, at times. Yeah, yeah at yeah. times. Not all of them, but at times where it's just I, like... Ugh. I almost
1: wondered if it was intentional, but... Yeah, this, this awesome limo. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. There's even,
2: I wondered, too, actually, that it was supposed to look like kind of like a TV presentation of the outside world. But Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, so essentially the setting is kind of interesting, though, because he's trying to get across town to get his haircut, but the president of the United States is in Manhattan, so traffic is all blocked up, and he wants to go to a very specific barber in a very specific neighborhood. And right. so... He's he's in this limo for most of the movie because it's going at like a snail's pace stuck in traffic and so he's having all of his appointments essentially in his limo. And
0: well his limo is his office. There, and I
1: it is his office the... um yeah. essentially. I think he, you know, but he They make that comment. Every every interaction he has for like the first half of the movie is with people in the limo with very few exceptions like in the taxi next to him, he sees his wife. And I know on this show, one of the most common things that I will critique in a movie is um, exposition. Like, mm-hmm. exposition dumps. <laughs> this movie was kind of a, all right, Joe, You fuck it. here, get what you wish for. There's none.
2: There's <laughs> no exposition. Yeah, I didn't all. realize that was
1: his wife until, like, the very end.
0: Yeah. Talking about, her. I think it took like a Wikipedia yeah. read. Yeah, for it to <laughs> like there is
1: not all of a sudden. It's like he's just oh, he sees this blonde woman in a cab, so he gets out.
2: I of think it's limo in, and the, jumps the, in the the cab. barbershop scene. Somebody else mentions his wife, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, didn't know Well, married. after didn't know. the yeah. fact
0: that she just said that they should dissolve their marriage. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> did, just did, like did all of there,
1: there's none. So you yeah, you really have to pay attention and just stick with it, and it will make sense essentially. He's yeah. having all of these interesting meetings with people and pretty much everything is him kind of questioning life and truth. So it's interesting when he, mm-hmm. they use the dialogue, like he'll say a statement, I know this. It's an odd way of saying, this is a truth to me. So it's it's very yeah, he thinly and like, kind of like
2: He's pushing everybody, like the people who are coming in and they're just like saying, okay, well, and also like his investments are crashing at the time because... Yeah. Uh, He's made some investments in Korean, um, in, uh, well,
0: no, 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 he, yeah. he bet, he bet against against, it. um, the, the one, the the, won, won. the yen, yeah. the yen. He bet against the yen. That's what the Wikipedia said. He bet oh. against the yen or something like that. Maybe yeah, the, just Cor- the won.
2: Korean yen, the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Something like that. Yeah.
0: Something he, he bet against an Asian currency and
1: he's just yeah. hemorrhaging yeah. money all day. Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't cause, care. uh, because, like,
2: uh, I don't know, some guy was stabbed to death on a talk show. <laughs> he was,
0: uh, well, uh, yeah, he, yeah. The movies. The movie says that he based his entire – well, in, in, within the movie, he it says, like, he based his entire life on pretty much more or less betting on the comfort of symmetry but ignoring mm-hmm. – the fact that asymmetry also exists within nature.
2: Well, that's his big, his big thing that he's yeah. questioning because all of a sudden his symmetry is falling apart. And Literally, it's they over, show it's it. all over yeah. this film. Um, the that his you know his expecting or understanding the system, controlling the system is all cracking. Like everything, his entire like philosophy is cracking down the middle because he he is not giving enough respect to the asymmetrical nature or nature of nature, I guess, or, like, anything. Um, that is addressed in pretty much every scene, right down to the most literal one, where he is, uh, he gets a daily medical exam, and yeah. uh, during his oh, God. The prostate exam portion <laughs> of that, um, which is an uncomfortable scene, and I'll get back to, like, something with Kron- one of other Cronenberg films, um, yeah. but he is diagnosed, or the, the doctor just mentions. He does not even yeah, diagnose. he does not just diagnose. He just, <laughs> like, mentions, right? Like, oh, well, your prostate, it feels like it's asymmetrical. And he's, like, uh, he says, well, what does that mean? And the doctor doesn't really answer, and it's, like, something that's, like, all of a sudden plaguing his mind because this asymmetry thing. Mm-hmm. Not only is it, like, making his world kind of fall apart and all of his... Uh, He's, you know, all this money that he's losing. But now all of a sudden there's a health concern there as well. And that word keeps coming back or the asymmetry of, you know,
0: well, um, it really everything. Well, they mention it later on in the movie when he's getting his haircut, like the barber who used to cut his his dad's hair brings up that his dad more or less died from a terminal illness very mm-hmm. young. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of why he is so health conscious is, is this movie mm-hmm. does actually do a good job of kind of telling you why these things exist if you pay attention. It's yeah. not yeah. hiding it if like you're willing to movies. wait for
2: the answers. <laughs> like, they yeah. do
0: come up. They do tell yeah. you them. And it, yeah. one of the things is like it does tell you if you wait like he's like this because he dealt with a tra- a childhood trauma of his dad dying from a terminal disease. Um, that they did not catch right away, and the idea of it being prostate cancer, as a lot of people know, if you don't get diagnosed at the right time, that's 100% fatal. So, yeah. like, like that idea of like maybe maybe his dad died of prostate cancer, uh, and the idea of him constantly getting checkups re- really much like formed him, but it doesn't change the fact that this character is self-destructive. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't really acknowledge his self-destructiveness, which is further. A metaphor for this idea of the one percent versus ninety nine percent, because this movie came out around the same time as the Occupy Wall Street situation. Yeah, yeah. It sure did. And there's, yeah. a, lot, um, there's a lot of that in there in the movie. Yeah, and there's a lot of that in the movie with this idea, of, like the people who are super successful are just that—they are imperfect people, and even they themselves believe their own uh, mytholo- myth- mythology sorry mythology Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. themselves and hence the whole narrative of like where they see something as asymmetrical in nature being like a horrid a problem an issue whatever and to be told by a demented character i'm jumping ahead here to that it's like that's fucking normal that's fine it doesn't mean anything Mm -hmm. is a big example of like this whole movie deals with imbalances and people being unable to either recognize or deal with those imbalances. Mm-hmm. And that is plays very much in this 99 versus 1% situation as well. I, um, I really, There's a lot in that fucking one sentence. There, I really <laughs> like a lot. Sorry. There are so many loaded sentences. There was no this. way to yeah. fucking talk about that without like saying any of that, apparently. That's how this movie is in the long run.
1: It, it took me a while to get into it it took me a while to catch on with the dialogue and how like what are they really trying to say and then it it hit me about halfway through that I think it was actually the barbershop scene which is an awesome scene
0: which I'll is the scene back, that would do it yeah is
1: yep. it it was the barber there he's telling stories about his cab yeah and he begins every sentence with I loved my cab again yeah. it's like it almost feels like a mammoth thing but it that and then he would go into what he would do and why but it, it's that's kind of where i started realizing like the the dialogue here is essentially just deconstructing every scene in a movie like this or every scene in a movie the, the whole film to me felt kind of like a, a really deconstructed typical hero's journey
0: yeah you know? odyssey and, yeah it's odyssey sense. Yep. yeah
1: and yeah, you know absolutely. he it it but it's so, like I said, just so deconstructed. Like, even the the um, the the back-and-forth dialogue with Paul Giamatti at the end, where essentially, okay, now he's at the villain, face-to-face with them. Mm-hmm. And the way they're exchanging lines, you, the what they're saying to each other, in essence, is said in every movie where you've got a hero that's facing off with a villain. Uh, yep. But in this case, they're just using very odd they're just not the conventional ways of asking those they're
2: questions. they're breaking it down yeah like they're breaking down that that relationship or that that yeah the conflict between them and they're you know you could say they're over explaining or they're over diving into like the motives and the things that are driving each of these characters but it's kind of what makes it a beautiful scene honestly like if, if you're not going to sit through this whole movie i would recommend going to that and maybe we need to talk about some other stuff before we get to the end. But yeah. going to that end scene and, and watching that because I think that's worth it.
1: Yeah, but well, the, the the barbershop scene is is really barbershop's good, good
2: too. Um, well, speaking of the barbershop and the haircut, like that was one of my early obsessions in this movie. Is like trying to figure out like, okay, so what's the haircut all about in this movie? And I'm like, it, my first impression of like what what he's talking about, like why it's, why is he obsessing over this? Well, first of all, because his life's falling apart. Like he's obsessing. He's trying to figure out why is everything falling apart? Why can't I predict what's going on? I've been so successful to the point where I'm this young billionaire at being able to predict and see everything that's happening. How is it falling apart? What have I not looked at? Um, My initial concept of the haircut itself is that it was a symbol of uh, his his privilege like uh because you know no matter what walls are put up like he's got to get to the specific place to get his haircut which seems like something trivial it's not like his hair' is long or out of control or uh you know anything like that it's just something he's perseverating on doing he feels like doing and he's got to do it but once you actually get to the barbershop you realize that this is actually a, a very important part of his life yeah it like, was something different from it's it's not exactly what i thought it was at first yeah. i thought it was kind of a spoiled brats
0: fit yeah.
1: it's not a preferred it, barber or stylist this it's was a, going back to his childhood this is to a his tough father stone. to an yeah. old family friend you know like
0: it's a it's a going back to f- uh familiarity in in time of crisis it's yeah. like the one aspect of what is left of his childhood, his connection to his father. Yeah, you're right.
1: Well, and he's kind of going there, seeking answers too. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting because also what he does right before he goes to the barber, um, you know, he's in but, this, he's in his limo, and all this weird stuff keeps happening. You know, he the the one um, one interaction that I thought was was interesting is his um, his decorator comes in and he's mm-hmm. having an affair with her. And, um, and again, the, the the supporting cast in this is... Juliette Benache's yeah, character. Yeah, Juliette so she, in this. Oh, the that was a decorator? I
0: didn't, I didn't know that, that she, she was a decorator. Like an art consultant. They call him he,
2: his art consultant, but yeah, I think he... Because
0: they talked yeah. about his
1: apartment, and they talked about, this she talked she about the she did, and this other...
0: the you know, Rothko and everything. Yeah, That's, she mentioned
1: yeah. this painting for oh, sale, yeah. and he said, no, I want the entire the entire chapel. Thing. i want the chapel, entire chapel yeah. i'm gonna all buy of the it. chapel yeah. i'm gonna put it all in my apartment and if i don't have room i'll make room i mean it's and to me and she's like "But that's ridiculous like they're not gonna offer he's like just buy it i don't care just buy it and it's showing how he he's he's willing to lose all this money he's throwing it away because he's finding out it's meaningless mm-hmm. you know and so as he you know in his life or whatever it's like this kind of surrounding struggle him struggle. himself with things that he
2: feels has value maybe when yeah Yes.
1: doesn't see the things that he has as,
2: as having that value anymore but but well, all here's... these different
1: people that come in and then and then they drive through the riots and uh you know the, the vehicle gets pretty beat up and pretty trashed and then he gets pied in the face <laughs> yeah which well, is a his weird vehicle... scene
0: the vehicle going back to the riot thing. The vehicle originally, when asked like, why do you ride in a limousine? Because it it matches just like every other limousine. It's kind of like the idea of like, I want to express that I have wealth, but at the same time, not identify myself, so yeah, nobody. I can, want to be anonymous, can, wealthy. <laughs> but when he enters the the riot, it now his limousine gets uniquely tagged in such a way that he cannot help but be identified for who he is right um which i thought was interesting especially seeing that he has been a target of a hit Mm -hmm. um which is the i want to say main it's not it's hard because there's a lot of main kind of subject matter but uh, of the plot but it is a it is a thing um but with that like you brought up earlier the concept. Well, first off, uh, the barbershop scene. I wanted to mention he he actually didn't even finish his haircut. Yeah, again, he didn't
1: asymmetrical.
0: He, yeah, he didn't. Once again, asymmetrical. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so even his um, familiar, nostalgic childhood comfort wasn't enough. That wasn't actually the catharsis. He still left. Like there wasn't anything forcing him to leave, he chose to leave, which ultimately yep. led to him um, to the final act with Paul, uh, or the, the 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 hitman, the disgruntled mm-hmm. employee. Not intentionally, but just it did lead there. Uh, well, but I, want... I think
2: initially it played out like he was, like he was becoming uncomfortable with the concept. They were talking about danger, like the the whole yeah. thing kind of escalated to danger, and he he got uncomfortable. He took the gun from the guy, and um, I think you thought like that he was being scared by that. Like he was he, all the warnings that the you know the complex, his security agency and his security people had given him was leading him to be afraid of this. But actually, he was grabbing that gun and he was going to confront the situation. And I don't think you well, got that until he got yeah. Well, or was he like you're right? Like he maybe he didn't go straight there but
0: he he was it's very hard to say whether or not god this movie's become more interesting the more that we talk about it in the group
2: yeah i knew it was gonna be that (laughs) we all i think (laughs) we (laughs) all did so much to
0: unpack this move like he doesn't oh so he has a clear fear of death that being said he also has a clear disregard for life and this movie very much his whole personality. A lot of us have been um, describing him as having like these reactions, but they're not emotional. He's very cold. And what happens to him? He and this is the intention of the movie is representing the one percent in this character. The idea that these people are so disconnected from um, emotions or or empathy more 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 so empathy uh towards other people outside of themselves like they become so self-consumed he's not self he's not consumed by the well-being of his wife because he cheats on her multiple times throughout the fucking one day with multiple (laughs) people he
2: really only spends any time with her because he's soliciting her for sex like he wants to know when they're gonna he just wants
0: yeah he just wants (laughs) to know when they're actually gonna have sex because i don't think they actually did have sex because there was like an arranged marriage of sorts uh He kills his bodyguard, whose whole duty was to protect him. He has yeah. no and his whole thing his he derails once his wealth is gone, and that he thinks not knows but thinks that his health might also be gone. He derails into this confrontation like it's weird because they kind of paint this character as somebody who's like "I'm afraid of death, but also like somebody. This is a very unique way to put this, but I would say this because I thought like this as a kid. If you had a broken toy, it had one miss, like something wrong with it, only slightly, you should no longer play with that toy. You need to have a toy in a perfect condition. Mind you, this is when I was a kid. And I think about that same way with this character. He himself like, oh, my prostate is not symmetrical my whole life is based on symmetry and perfection. What is the point of me living? And that's the whole thing he's actually dealing with until he confronts this character. But, um, and Paul Giamatti at the end of the movie, uh, the, the actual person who's out to kill him, uh, that you see him kind of actually start to, hence why I paid attention to this last scene. Um, it actually also are all start to come together. So, this is a long right. way of putting it, but Joey, you stated the concept of good guy versus bad guy. Like, hero versus villain, that's what you said. Mm-hmm. I would argue, like, who's who? Yeah,
1: well, just with the focus on Pattinson throughout the movie. Pro-
0: protagonist versus Protagonist
1: vi- versus antagonist, yeah. Hero. Yes. That's why but... I was like, we're going with, like, the heroes journey yeah. odyssey type thing
2: right you're, you're you know? in on his journey whether he's quote unquote a hero or not right. he's yeah. certainly the hero of this narrative in in a way the, he's the protagonist the one we're following so, yeah so right. yeah. Uh, you brought up yeah. elise the wife character just just real quickly mm-hmm. sorry joe uh, oh no um, there's a lot to um, break i wanted to down. say yeah. there was something that i loved in this movie that she said to him and i think kind of like encapsulates eric packer as a character and i don't remember exactly what they're talking about But she stops him and says, "I'll tell you what the problem is. I don't know how to be indifferent. I can't master this, and it makes me susceptible to pain. In other words, it hurts." And Pattinson kind of shrugs it, like or Packer kind of shrugs it off. Um, Not only is that an incredible line, and I like personally relate with that, like a like big time. Yeah. um, It also describes like why she can't be with. Him as a person. Like that is oh, we are yeah, never gonna work out because this is you I don't know how to be indifferent and you are indifference. And I think that's what his change is throughout. We talk about asymmetry, but there's also this this idea of indifference. He is playing the middle the whole way, like and and I think when he starts to feel something on one side or the other is when he kind of lands in
0: well. That's a very good like observation towards like going towards that 1% then the idea of these are people who don't actually have a direction. This is me pointing out like modern day like corporations who make these tweets that in support of a group after the fact Mm -hmm. is the idea of like you don't actually choose inside unless it benefits you financially in some way or benefits you in general. Mm -hmm. Like I am very much indifferent until I know which side I need to strategically choose in order for me to stay relevant, to stay wealthy, to say so forth. Holy shit, Eric. Keep going. Sorry.
1: Joe, you were gonna... I kind of cut you off. Sorry. Oh, I I don't remember, but that's fine. (laughs) Sorry. No, it's okay. I got really excited there. One of the things I was gonna bring up earlier is that, and we kind of briefly touched on it, but when he kills his chief of security, who's uh, the character Torval, played by Kevin Durant, who is Mm -hmm. always good and stuff, um, it's it's really out of nowhere
0: it really is but it it fits in again when you you
1: finish the movie at the end everything kind of makes sense in a way or it's easy to, to speculate i should say um that you know are we to infer that he he killed his chief of security kind of on a whim because it can't be from where he was going so it had to be more like a because i'm not looking for security now i'm I know that, you know, the, all of the life is meaningless. Everything's meaningless. Um, right. Because it's this. Well, set, also, this ultimately, thing.
2: the security was keeping him away from his goals, I think, whatever they may be. Like, he had to go above that or beyond that. So, yeah. So I he,
0: think it's what... I, I interpret it as one of those situations that he was just being once again like mindlessly self-destructive because he feels like because there's something slightly wrong with him and his world what's the point of everything else like he's just being like once i I guess i'm leaning towards that like one percent kind of meta uh i don't want to say metaphysical that's not accurate uh metaphorical there we go metaphorical like um that this movie does this metaphorical uh example of just someone just like so indifferent of everyone else around him outside of himself to fail to understand like the importance of others and their duties and their, their goals and shit. And he's just like, Oh, okay. And just yeah. carries on like, this is what makes you deserve to die. Because that was the one dude who was actually kind of, if you think about it, that was a dude keeping him in the car the entire yeah, yeah. time. That was a guy informing him when he was in danger and he had—he didn't care about the information that that character was always given him. That character was always given up-to-date information on like the quote-unquote credible threat, uh, as he's described. Mm-hmm. He's just like matter of matter of fact, I'm like okay, I'm going to go on and fuck my other security detail. I'm going to do all these other fucking things and not actually care. This one person did killed him with indifference, and then resulted in him falling inevitably into the sinkhole that Mm -hmm. is um the credible threat at the end of the movie Mm
2: -hmm.
1: yeah i thought the it was an interesting touch regarding the um the torval's gun that it had this voice imprint yeah it was i i think if he would have just you know grabbed his gun and and shot him that, that was i don't know it was an extra layer of like trust
0: and person, yeah, and like personal, yep. like it was his own personal code.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, and and so it was just kind of, I don't know, that that struck me. It was like him killing him in the first place, and then they put this extra layer of, of that on it. I don't know. There, there's a couple of things like that in this movie where they they take that extra step, and it I, really
0: hits. And, and but wow.
1: I don't really know why exactly. Like I said, it's up for discussion. It's up for debate. Yeah. um but it but at the same time it makes sense because there's like multiple working hypotheses as to why he did that um right but it's it, yeah it it definitely contributes to this being intriguing um but I yeah I think my biggest problem with this is still um it, it's not accessible at all <laughs> in or, any way. In any yeah, way it's it's tough but once it was a hard finish egg to it. crack like a yeah 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 it, it, it is definitely a, a, a tough one um yeah, i was trying to think if there's other other characters in this that really stood out um i i don't know even his um like his replacement driver um i'm trying to think of his uh his name oh uh, gosh the no.
0: one he was talking about They're, in the the
1: in the barbershop in, In the, the barber barbershop. Head. Yeah, I don't remember the name. Well um, that
0: was a, he he and the barber were the ones having the conversation and uh yeah. the main character wasn't even really involved. He was just yeah. listening to all of it. So, I mean, once again showing like a character, a protagonist with indifference.
1: Well, it is when he kills his driver, that's pretty much the first scene after you know so they get out of the, the, the limo and it's all beaten up and graffiti, And then he gets pied. Yeah, and then when he's done with the pie situation, he kills Mm -hmm. the chief of security.
0: You think it's related?
1: I don't know. That's one possibility. I think another is it's again in the deconstructive nature of this film and this narrative style. um, I wonder if it's to represent okay, we're moving forward now. Um, We're, you know, we're we're out of the limo now. That is done and so that's all over because even okay so he shoots him with the with the chief of security's own gun that he had the chief of security unlock he can't use it now anyway
0: no right. which is a good it. and so
1: then it then when he goes to the barbershop he gets a gun right away
0: from the and barber so, from yeah. the
1: barber and it was just that was a weird thing like there's one way of telling that story where he just kept the gun but is there right. some significance in the barber giving him one
0: yeah actually I don't know now that you said that I can kind of see it's interesting that you say what you said because I didn't consider that before but yeah the 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 bodyguard he kills happens right after he get pied in the face and the conversation that results in the like in the or what the conversation happened before the death is like you're willing to like do whatever you need to necessarily to 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 protect me from this killer and he goes like yeah totally but now that you said what you said I'm like but he didn't even protect him from getting pied in the face yeah. And that whole scene he himself uh pattinson's character parker or packer sorry packer is chasing this camera crew this and stuff, and all the bodyguard do, all the bodyguard is doing is picking up the guy who pied him in the face. He isn't really doing much of anything. Mm-hmm. So the idea, like you ultimately failed as a bodyguard to protect me from getting pied in the face. I'm just gonna kill you now, apparently, with your own gun, and the gun means nothing. I'll toss it. And it's not even that he fucking forgot the password. He actually said the password with the barber shop's revolver before he stormed into the building. But he trusted the barber. Mm -hmm. The barber actually knew him. He loved the barber. This is the only character you actually probably see him actually love in Mm -hmm. a weird way. Mm -hmm. Um, He actually shows some kind of form of like appreciation, respect, like admiration, whatever. Uh, And this is the barber who goes like, you're going out there without a gun? Here, take mine. I use this to protect me. He actually takes the gun. That's the moment that he stops his haircut.
1: Yeah you're right there's so i don't those are the kind of things that happen in this where there's meaning there but the the ending is one that like some films that does this open to interpretation thing but i think there's a lot of scenes in this film that do the same thing that they're open to interpretation um yeah if not every scene (laughs) in some way because and i and i think one of the maybe the reasons why and this is just my own theory is that it shows it doesn't really matter. Which is kind of a, a theme I got from this. He's letting his fortune wither away because what does it matter? He kills his bodyguard because what does it matter? And I mean not like like oh, that's yeah. his character, but like I wonder if that's like a narrative they're trying to push is he's he's this self destructive nature and everything, his world is disintegrating. Um so he's willing to walk in and you know, greet his and visit his, his would be assassin. And Art, the conversation yeah. they even have, which I guess that'd be a good one. If, if you want to talk about that for a bit is what they actually, Oh, we talk should
0: about. talk about that whole final mm. scene. Yeah. <laughs> There's it's so probably my favorite that. bit of the movie. Yeah. And the yeah.
2: barbershop scene is good too. Um, which both happened very late in this, uh, mm-hmm.
0: Happens it happens within the it's last It's not a long movie. Minutes. It feels forty, like forty, four, a long
2: movie, minutes. I think, to get to the, the places here. But, yeah. it's. Um...
1: So, you never really find out exactly who um, the assassin is. He goes by the name Ben O'Levin, but his name is Richard Sheets, which is, I don't know. I read one blog that described that as, oh, that's, isn't that kind of a, Sheets, isn't that an analogy for a ghost? He's this ghost that's kind of haunting him because he's potentially a former employee. Yeah, and, and I even read one analysis that Levin is actually him in like thirty years.
0: <laughs> wow, that's a that's a stretch one, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it, this is definitely
0: maybe directly... it could
2: represent somebody like you know yeah. Yeah. when when you don't got it anymore. You know, like he he's a young billionaire and uh, he. Is impervious until this one you know day he wakes up and makes a bad call and now he's questioning everything about his life down to his health and everything based on the fact that he didn't see this coming and well yeah i could see you read it like not literally it's him and some but like that he sees him you know a potentiality or potential him you know later in life i could see well when they they make that up
0: with the age like, age is frequently brought up a lot in this movie. Yeah. And, like, the Paul Giamatti, like, he's even asked, he asked a lot of, like, a lot of people either ask him his age or he asked other people their age. Uh, but when it came to the Paul Giamatti character, he says, like, I'm 40, 41. I don't know. I stopped, paying, I stopped counting. But the only other person I could think of that he asked that said that their age was 40 was that one, the the first woman that he had an affair with mm-hmm. in the car. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm in my 40s or mm-hmm. something like that. And there, there's a something. line
1: when... Yeah, there's, there's a lot in that conversation at, with with sheets at the end. Yeah. Where it's something about like... You know, I'm, I'm going to just sit here and or you're going to kill me or something and he's like, do you have to? And he's like, I have to, otherwise I'm not me. Or you're not yeah. you. I'm not something, anything. Yeah, yeah, I'm not anything. It's kind of like because I'm your future. And that's why I was wondering, like, are they really... Pulling that, I don't know, but it 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 is a the way the dialogue is delivered is strange, but it's intriguing. Oh, the, strange I, throughout the movie. Mm. I think that's one of the things that reminded me of like
2: David Lynch in this movie. Like it just
0: yeah, it's when you guys not said this the was way Cronenberg. that
2: people really yeah. talk. Yeah, like, I felt like this was Mario Lynch. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's it's definitely like played up, and it's all for a purpose. Like it's. You know they, they're trying to make a point obviously but yeah it's it's definitely I mean, you mentioned david mamet too that there's definitely some some of that in his work as well yeah
0: well i i would see it as now that you said that you said it, it kind of got me thinking like i would argue that um sheets's character is not necessarily representation of his future, but more so a person who he also stepped on, like AKA the fucking bodyguard or or his wife or literally everyone else who he just disregards sheets is like, you stole my identity to feed your own. Like you have done everyone else, but I am deciding to reclaim my identity by ending yours. Mm -hmm. That is the only thing that I can hold on to. I have lost my mental health and I am aware of this or to say how he says, I know this. Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea, I I wouldn't argue that he is, he is the, uh, future, but the consequence who decides to like, show him like, you are not the fucking center of the universe. There are other people Mm -hmm. in this and I am one of them. And I'm just unhinged enough to believe... Like, he points out, like, uh, Packer frequently points out, like, you only do this as a reaction because you see other people fucking do it. Like, trying to take away, once again, his individual... Cheats uh, his individual choice, cheats his individuality. Once again, trying to strip it from him. To, like, he doesn't even care that he's being threatened, necessarily. He's just kind of like trying to understand quote-unquote the logic of it and by the way this kind of goes out to people who feel like logic is the only way to go about life grill the fuck up (laughs) because i know a lot of those fucking people who are near the same age as me who feel like logic is the way to go stop being a goddamn teenager you need to understand that emotions are equally part of your life get a fucking part of your emotions not just yours but other people around you it's important to fucking actual be to actually be a fully functional human being and adult there's a reason poetry's made anyways that's my fucking side um <laughs> but that's 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 what makes a man child is somebody who believes they are an adult because they are quote unquote logical and fails to recognize empathy where you have this character sheets who witnesses packer shoot himself in the hand after like Putting it in his mouth and then shoots himself in the hand to see if he's alive and screams in agony to realize that he is actually a living, physical, a uh, feeling human being. And what does Sheets do? He gives him like towels and yeah, napkins. I know. He's going to kill. Yep. He's going to kill him, but also like but he helps him. He, like yeah, he stop sees the bleeding a, from the wound. Yeah, moon. he yeah. sees a person in pain, and it shows you that this person who's mm-hmm. willing to kill another human being has way more empathy than the person he's going to kill
1: i I don't maybe maybe i'm seeing too many facets of different things in this but
0: it's very possible the
1: (laughs) the three main acts of this are the limo which is most of the movie the barber (laughs) shop and then the conversation with with levin or sheets yeah Mm -hmm. um it it's almost like a christmas carol-esque where you've got like the the limo stuff is like ghost of christmas present this is everything going <laughs> on right now everything's falling apart the the barber shop like ghost of christmas past where he's learning things about his father and perspectives that you know he never considered about his past and then future with with the assassin about like are you gonna have one you know, well, like, even, I'm from your past, but I'm, I'm this harbinger of death, potentially, to you.
0: Well, even, like, the barber scene, like, the whole scene isn't even he's involved. Like, you know his career. Yeah. But what you're listening to is two people who talk about, in order for them to survive, they mm-hmm. actually had to deal with real danger. But they enjoyed their jobs doing so. Like, right. actual threats. Where you have a guy sitting here getting his hair cut because he insisted... Mm-hmm. And he's like I get checked by a doctor daily, and then like meeting Sheets at the end, who actually fuck this movie, <laughs> fuck this movie, <laughs> right. um, like talking about this movie. Um, sheets at the end, pretty much calling out bullshit. This movie is meant to be a catharsis for anyone who feels very, um, who who feels like the whole idea of like the going with the film, the the asymmetry of wealth in general um where like you have a one percenter who feels like just because their their prostate is just a little bit off that nothing really fucking matters in the end that they can kill people and do whatever really shows like dude you literally stripped my life and understanding away from me and i decayed mentally fuck you mm-hmm. but also here here's a fucking napkin for your yeah. hand i might shoot <laughs> you in the head
1: yeah the, the compassionate ones
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's a really complicated god damn it. Well, because, <laughs> you know.
1: I I just I don't know that that last scene is is worth at, at least that's definitely worth a re, a rewatch. It um, is. Um, you know, the 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 first I think that first act is so damn long just because it has to it takes Lead that long to, to, to f- like spinal. explain what's going on. <laughs> but yeah. once right. once you start like okay, there's You know, these and I I do think it's it's an interesting way of of crafting a film, but you're you're taking a gamble that your audience is gonna be on board with it is we're gonna throw a whole bunch of stuff at you. You're not gonna know what the hell's going on, but by the end you will. But if you stick with it. It it is it is pretty Oh my god,
0: this is like me with every conversation I ever have with anybody. Trust me, I'm long winded, but I will get there. It's it's really (laughs) it's
1: it's really kind of a a a, a very creative and risky way of, of making a film my question you
0: are increasing the grade for this movie but for my question is does it pull it off
1: does it do it in a way where it it produces a film that's enjoyable or intriguing and i mean the fact we've been talking about it you know as long as we have is a good indication that yeah it's it's definitely got something you know it, it's doing something right because yeah I, I was ready to shut it off and be like oh god this is gonna be a chore to get through in that first no. hour but then it really opens up uh so it's 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 i think that might be a flaw in it um because i don't think we we i don't think that was the the best way of getting there um but i don't know maybe well, you had to sit through all that shit when, to get to it One <laughs> well, would argue
0: of, is it a flaw in the movie or is it a flaw in the viewer
2: well yeah yeah, yeah and you could i i think ultimately it's you know all of e- either position on that is subjective so um, yeah it's very it's, much it's also um i think it does take in any any movie especially something like we're it's we're talking like we're kind of comparing this to like hero's journey odyssey type movies you need that you need to get comfortable with who this hero quote on big quotes there on hero but mm-hmm um
0: and protagonist who, i guess is yeah that. who your
2: protagonist yeah. is um why he's reacting the way to the things in the you know the, the things you see him react to and you have to fully understand how he how you expect him to react in the situation when you put him into the situation with Benno levin at the end or sheets or whatever we want to call him um because it's gonna call everything and that that's where we're gonna call everything into question that we've learned about Packer throughout the film and I think it's interesting because I think the scene between the two of them doesn't necessarily take as strong a sides as as possibly Ryan's reading of it sounds <laughs> like it does he's definitely and and I think I feel the same way at the end of playing Devil's Advocate a little bit but you're definitely falling on the Benno side of of this <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I, it's a very I think complicated, there's yeah yeah I think there's also something to be said about um joe's original like what, what he said about it being uh Packer having a projection upon this character of like you know the, the relate attempting to relate to him and, and having some like a sense of humanity uh by the end of that like it takes him blowing a hole in his hand for him to have any sense of his place in the world or like what his place really is in the world not not defined by his wealth not defined by his stature or his limousine or his you know uh, but else but you know actually like okay here here I'm in this situation and it, 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 when it finally comes to him I think uh you have a guy all of a sudden that is dead set on dying or dead set on like throwing it all away in this like rich rich kid i'm having a temper tantrum everything is not perfect way who all of a sudden comes to the realization like oh shit like okay i could actually die here and now that i felt this now now that i have this hole in my hand or not not just the hole in the hand the hole in the hands the like the last like really obvious um image to you know the, to give you but like you know He's, he's He is coming to terms with, with that. And I think he's having a little bit of that, to, for lack of a better term, but like uh, that I don't want to die moment all of a sudden. Like yeah. he's come come to terms with his humanity. I think his would-be assassin kind of catches on to that as well. And I think that explains the the dressing of the wound. I don't think it changes the fact that it, well, we, never, we don't know at what the happens. End, to
0: the end. And when he's holding the gun, he himself can't stop viewing his... His object of desire, in which to like murder this non-human, can't help but see now see his target as a human as well. Mm-hmm. Like the struggle yeah. there.
1: Yeah, he goes into the bathroom, and, and you know they. I, I did like, by the way, I just wanted to, to throw this one note out that um the the last set of the movie, which is Benno's apartment, sheets Apart. um mm. is Mento sheets yeah is. Definitely, that was the, the most familiar Cronenberg thing about the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, that was like I you almost expected his roommate to be Seth Brundle, <laughs> you know, it's just like a pod <laughs> over in the corner, you know. Um, the, it it just had that that look to it. Um, yeah, um, and there was also the conversation uh, that they kept having, or that that uh, Packer was trying to have about the gun about Benno's gun. It's got Oh you know, like, it, like yeah. what kinda of, I've never seen a gun like that. What what is it? Why do you have all that extra stuff on it? All the stuff on the rail. Um, he refers it to it as a magic. What does it gun? do? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that was something I wasn't sure how to interpret. But it definitely meant something.
0: Well he also like every time that Bento was saying like his self righteous views, uh, Packer, justifiably so um, listed like dude you clearly don't care about other people you just said so you just told me that you were willing to kill other people in the park because you can't stand listen to their banter them being together or you being alone or whatever it is but then f- turn around and say that you're killing me be- for other people like you don't care about people mm-hmm. like don't fucking lie to me so yeah. it's like a weird like dynamic of neither of these fucking broken people actually have a true conviction um but that being said uh
1: why i can't help but wonder about that one analysis i read that suggested that it's some kind of representation of your future self uh, i mean even down to the fact that he's like i have an i have an asymmetrical prostate so do i Mm -hmm. i
0: feel like that's somebody going too literal that's my personal take, it, but it, I'm not it, saying it, could it be, can't be. It could be. Yeah. I just, I, yeah.
1: I, it's one of those that got stuck in the
2: craw, and now I'm like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I do think in like a very like thematic way. I that's not a that's not a false reading
0: yeah uh, yeah. i don't I think like
2: literally too. is it supposed to be the character like later? I, I don't know nothing in yeah. this movie is that literal right that right.
0: that's a weird way of saying like these two antagonists actually have a commonality i would i would approach it like they're they actually if anything these two have despite how much they either hate or fear one another they probably have the most in common mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah that's, that's the way that's, i would interpret it but yeah that, i think that's what inspired that analysis yeah is yeah. they have so much in common that and, and it is almost like a, a guidance especially how she guides him through what his you know like what he's been looking at wrong you've been so focusing on you know looking for perfect symmetry you've been ignoring the little blips as he calls them the the things mm-hmm. that make it asymmetrical you've been ignoring the patterns in those you
0: should have listened to your prostate is I think is going to yeah be the he said your prostate was trying your, the anything. asymmetry
1: of your prostate <laughs> was trying to tell you that and you yeah. weren't listening yeah. um, can we
0: have an official like video junkyard bumper sticker that says like listen to your prostate listen to your prostate, <laughs> listen <to> your prostate. <laughs> yeah maybe yeah. like
1: a uh,
2: prostate cancer awareness month something we'll throw those out to and people.
0: look look for November <laughs> folks that's right <laughs> yeah.
2: but uh, um. Well, we should probably. There's I mean, yeah. we could talk, we could like break down theories and there's a lot of things that are open to interpretation in this film throughout this entire film. Um, but we, we should will. probably try to wrap this up. <laughs> um, do you, either of you guys have any like final thoughts or something we didn't touch on um and then uh yeah, let's get to grading this thing.
1: Well, um I as I said before, it's not accessible. This is a hard one to get into. And I think you also have to be in a certain mood yeah, frame of mind or state of mind to watch this. Um, <laughs> yeah. It does require some patience and a lot of paying attention, which, you know, there's a part of me that really liked that about it um, in retrospect because a lot of the films that are made nowadays, you know, like the whole Martin Scorsese Marvel, Comics, Marvel films uh, thing a year or two ago, you know, saying like he wanted to see cinema. Well, yeah, this is a good example of that kind of a film mm-hmm. that that you know would have probably played in more cinemas but anyway um i,
0: I mean it I, got accolade like, acc- like, uh, it got rewarded and shit it I, did dig at accolades really nice, yeah. yes it, accolades, yeah.
1: it i think though that it's cronenberg uh, this is the second film that he has ever written the screenplay to the first being an mm-hmm. yeah. and I don't remember Existence being this dense, but it definitely was more than most of his films. It was dense, but maybe not this much. Right. (laughs) Um, The themes in this one are definitely topical and and interesting, and their takes on it are interesting. I think I agree that it's probably, if you're going to watch it once, be willing to watch it twice.
0: Yeah, Um, it's definitely that.
1: If you're not willing to stick through the first 30 minutes, then don't bother um if you're willing to go a little further though it does reward in the end with some really fantastic performances by giamatti uh pattinson's really good in this for as weird as he is and as bizarre as this movie is he's actually really good um so i overall i think i'm gonna give this one a b minus i think i liked it a lot more than i realized um I really... <laughs> yeah. This is what I needed to do was really digest it. This is a movie you need to digest. Um, yes, it is. It's, it's not going to just... It's not going to be an amusement park. It's one you're going to have to really sit and, and think about. This is the kind of movie that you would have walked out of the theater with somebody and go, I don't know what that was about. We need to go have a drink and talk about it. So, mm-hmm. I'll, give it, I'll give it double points for that, but I'm going to go with a B-. minus. Ryan, what do you think?
0: Um... Well, the natural, uh, you know, the the catch slogan for a lot of us in these interviews is, I'm going to repeat a lot of the same things that Joe just said. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's I what think we do. it is. It's, it's crazy. It's almost as if we all get along. <laughs> um, no, it's one of those things where I agree where this is a movie that is, it's not for everyone. This is not a movie for if anyone just wants, like, a straightforward thing. If you are somebody who likes an attempt at some kind of, um, like... It's a cerebral movie in a way that it's not too overly done, but just enough to kind of get you thinking. I would say it's like a inner... And, like, an in-between uh, intellectual film. And, like, you can have these deep, meaningful conversations philosophically from it. It does a very good job, at, 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 clearly, from this fucking review from us. Uh, inciting that in one's people. It's very rewarding in, that, in a sense. But it's not too alienating. Um, if, if you're somebody who's used to fucking way more cryptic fucking shit. Um, that's definitely where my bias comes in uh that's not me a brag that's not me bragging that's just me stumbling across shit going like i have no idea what the fuck is going on (laughs) um uh that's just a mistake on my part (laughs) but um with comparing it to those films but this one i think is a good way to kind of start for somebody who is thinking that they are they want to explore like the deep artistic philosophical exploration of film this is a good Um, uh, medium step in post into that like it will tell you what it's kind of more or less talking about but still leave you with enough to have these dialogues Um, it is definitely an exploration clearly of uh, financial uh, inequality Uh, that's definitely like there's a reason that Cronenberg made this movie in the time that he did Um, I find it very fascinating it's a Cronenberg movie based on what I know as a very young millennial, what Cronenberg is typically referred to as. <laughs> like I didn't, I expected more body horror than I, than what I got. <laughs> uh, I did not expect my brain to be the body horror uh, at the end of this. Um, so good on him for uh, expressing some diversity to go outside of what he's typically known for. This is actually my first full Cronenberg movie. Funny enough for all of you. Uh, based on who i'm fucking friends with on this fucking podcast
2: (laughs) Um, you watched the dead zone last week so second right
0: you know what yeah you're right uh but i don't really consider that a cronenberg movie i consider it as a cronenberg got stuck with the fucking bill at the end of the day movie (laughs) um nothing against it uh but this uh this i think shows him for me a first time kind of like truly kind of getting involved in Cronenberg, showing him as an intellectual, uh, cerebral type director. Um, I'm really beating around the bush here, aren't I? I? I feel like this movie is is a solid B for me. Um, it's very fucking boring. It's very fucking dull. I will honestly say if you're doing something else and you throw this movie on, is going to be your greatest fucking triumph because that's what I fucking did. And you might find yourself actually paying attention to certain parts instead of doing the hobby that you're doing. That's just the nature of this film for me personally, maybe for some other people. uh, I didn't take three days to watch this, but I didn't have a choice. (laughs) So um, (laughs) there, there, there it is. I think like you can throw this movie on and do something else. And if you're somebody who happens to stop doing what you're doing, you might get something out of it. If not, at least you did the other thing. You know, that's kind of how I can best put it. Uh, what about you, Eric? Um, yeah, I'm going to
2: kind of echo some of those things, like we always say. Um, (laughs) Uh, that's going to be the next bumper sticker. (laughs) My feeling about this movie is that it's just right off the bat. It's incredibly dense, incredibly cerebral. They hit like in the first scene in that limousine, they, they hit on, oh, dealing with aging, stress, um, you know, um, stature politics and just like all kinds of stuff and then it just kind of spirals from there it talks over your head a bit it um uses jargon and uncomfortability and 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 a bunch of things in in a way that is kind of off-putting as a viewer like you always feel like you're kind of racing to catch up with it what i found was that my strategy for dealing with it is about halfway through i realized oh wait the little details don't matter we're just picking up on this character we're learning about packer as it goes on so if you can get through that first act like i said like you guys both said it is rewarding towards the end however i don't think i'm gonna like totally let it off the hook for that first act feeling like that like i honestly felt like and i you know and i'm not gonna like say like oh um i'm such a intelligent like well-read you know wonderful individual but this movie kind of made me kind of made me feel stupid yeah which i don't I, I actually, towards the end, I kind of like found refreshing in a way, but when it was happening to me, I found it very unple- like unpleasant. <laughs> so, um, and that's, that's fine. Cause I think, I think a certain amount of that was intentional, but like I said, I found it, I found the, the opening act of this movie, which is probably about half of the runtime of the film if not a little more uh to be generally unpleasant un you know not well paced there's some there's some dialogue triumphs and there's some interesting conversations here and there but in the, in the end uh not anything real special and then all of a sudden at 180s and there, there's these like two or three really incredible sequences uh the barbershop the the ending sequence with paul giamatti like we talked about um but i'm not sure like that gets it, that that it off the hook
0: asymmetrical <laughs> yeah there you go
2: yeah well, it is i mean what's the very definition of asymmetrical? there you go you just unlocked another piece of the puzzle
0: well i'm just but reacting to it's... what you just said so <laughs> yeah <laughs> give i give you the credit
2: i think at the end of the day after all of our talking about it and everything i find this to be a very impressive movie but i'm not sure it's a very enjoyable movie and i'm gonna so i'm gonna land at a c on this one
0: okay. incredible so wow. yeah wow.
2: That's um fair. I did want to mention real quick my fi- final thought that was supposed to come first. A uh, really incredible score by Howard Shore in the Canadian rock band Metric. Metric, yes, are familiar I was going to mention that but, too. Metric, um, Huge yeah, Metric it, fan. So. Really <laughs> great. Yeah, I, I like I like the band a lot. I've seen them play a couple times and um, just Lucky yeah, you. a fan of them in general. But the score is just it's really, really effective and good. And there's a, there's a good metric song at the end of it too. So um,
0: that song is what made me realize that metric. I'm like, Oh my God, this is a metric song. (laughs) This is Emily Haynes, a metric. And then like, see that all the, most of the music was done by metric, of course, with, you know um, Mm -hmm. but like, when I looked it up, I totally went on Spotify and I started listening to the soundtrack of this movie just because I'm a huge Metric fan. So yeah, I'm glad sorry. you fucking said that. I forgot entirely about it because of yeah, the yeah. I think that fucking... was that was
2: important. It was one of the, my most enjoyable pieces
1: of the film, and that's.
0: I love you, Eric. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We'd love to know if any of our listeners have any thoughts on Cosmopolis. Please feel free to share any of those questions, comments, criticisms, or criticisms with the Video Junkyard Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at Twitter at Video Junk Pod or on our Facebook group for the Video Junkyard Podcast or the main page, uh, as well as Pinterest and Instagram. Uh, so we would love to hear anything that you have to say about this film or any other listener suggestions. Video Junkyard Podcast now has an official Patreon
2: page at www.patreon.com slash video junkyard podcast. Uh, if you'd like like what you hear and want to consider uh, giving a little back to help us create this podcast, any money that's collected through the Patreon page goes directly back into the podcast, to help us cover production, web hosting costs, and in return, we will uh, certainly throw you some exclusive video junkyard podcast swag. Also, uh, some members-only content, the ability to vote in polls, just like the poll in which we picked these two David Cronenberg films to help us decide what we watch on the show. So check that out. And of course, we appreciate you uh, always coming back to listen to the Video VideoJickHair podcast. Coming up on the show, uh, we're going to be looking at the 1996 The Island of Dr. Moreau starring Val Kilmer and Marlon Brando. Uh, followed by the beginning of our month of Halloween classics. And by classics, we mean the movies we grew up with. We're going to start off with uh, one from my older youth, but uh, one that uh, Ryan speaks very highly of. That is uh, the Hugh Jackman vehicle, Van Helsing. So.
1: It's a beautiful mess. So. It's <laughs> a beautiful mess. <laughs> yes.
2: Uh, as well as many other, throughout October, many other uh, classic uh, childhood favorite movies. Uh, Halloween films, so we'll, uh, keep those on the schedule, so keep checking back with the Facebook page and um,
1: yeah, what's coming up. And we hope you join us for those, and we hope that you enjoyed the Video Junkyard podcast this week, and we hope you'll also share it around. And until next time, I'm Joe Peterson.
0: I'm Eric Branson, And I'm Ryan Seiskel, saying your prostate is asymmetrical.
2: on Twitter, at VideoJunkPod, and on Instagram as VideoJunkyardPodcast, all one word. want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard.